I love that video. Isn't that funny? I know what some of you are already thinking. You're thinking, okay, building campaign. I see what's going on here. Message about giving. Okay. But let me assure you, this is not uh, some way to manipulate or something we've orchestrated. We've been working through the book of Matthew. And right now we're into chapter 6. And Jesus talks about giving. So we're going to talk about giving. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6. And uh, if you have your Bible or your electronic device, you can find your way there. As you do that, let me give you a little background. We're moving through an extended series called Disciple, Living the Life, where we're actually looking at what Jesus taught in the book of Matthew. And uh, he taught what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is basically somebody who follows after Christ, follows Jesus. And so, um, but there's a lot of aspects that go into how we do that. And so Jesus was, was teaching the crowds how to be a follower of Christ, how, how it uh, looks to, to live for him. And so uh, the, the, much of what he talked about was kind of in flight in the face of what they were used to with the Jewish leader, leaders and the Pharisees, um, what they, their common system of how they functioned. And because the Jewish leaders in the Bible, they, they tried to follow God by creating this complex system of uh, religious rules and laws. And what it did is essentially it took the focus off of God and it put it on to them. It put it on to their laws and their system and that became the sum total, just fulfilling that busyness of religious activity. And so what Jesus uh, now came uh, in Matthew to tell people was that that's not what it was about. Following Jesus looks different than that. And so this was radical to them. This was, you know, people had followed Jesus out to hear his teachings because this was radical stuff. They were only used to a religious system. And what Jesus was telling them was something totally different. And so we pick this up in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 this morning. And Jesus begins to teach the crowd what it truly means to be a disciple. So we're going to pick this up here where Jesus begins to talk about the goal of giving. We're going to discuss that a little bit today. What's the goal of giving? So we're not going to twist your arms with guilt or make you feel like you haven't given enough or you're not doing enough. This is a guilt-free zone today, okay? We're going to talk about giving the way Jesus instructed us. We're not going to try to convince you of anything from the church, okay? Is that refreshing to people? I hope so. So these are, we're going to study Jesus' words this morning. Look with me there in Matthew chapter 6, and let's, uh, let's read this. You can follow along as I, as I read. He said, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that, we, uh, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So let's take a few minutes to establish what the goal of giving really is all about, okay? 
So Jesus talks about, he starts to open up with this concept of, uh, of a few different things. There's, uh, you know, the Pharisees, they're giving to the needy. He talks about a reward. He talks about some different things. He's, it's centered around our giving. And so there's, there's some principles to be gained in this. But we need to establish, number one, what's the goal that he's after here? So number one is, is what is the goal of giving? The goal is to make his name known. To make his name known. Jesus is, Jesus is challenging the religious leaders because they wanted their name to be known. We read it there in, chat, in, in verse 1. They wanted their name to be known. They, 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 they wanted to be recognized for their giving to the needy. They wanted it to be about them. Have you, let me ask you, have you ever wanted to be known? Have you ever wanted to be known? We all want to be known. We all like to be known. And in fact, that's not a bad thing to be known. God created us to be known. In fact, God himself wants to be known. He created us to be known so that we could have intimacy and relationship and identity in who we are. In John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, God came here because He wanted to be known. It's not a bad thing to, to be known, but the key component is what are you known for? Or who are you known for? See, we want to be known for our glory. And God wants us to be known for His. And that's what the, that's what the Pharisees were struggling with. So, so the first thing is, right off the bat, one of our goals for giving should be to make His name known. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that coming up. Secondly, the, the goal of giving is to have relationship with Him. To have relationship. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. God wants to have relationship. Not just with some people, not with just the spiritual elite, whoever they are. God wants to have relationship with everyone. He's standing on the door of your heart and knocking and asking for us to let him in. Now, giving is related to this because it, giving actually opens the door for that to be able to happen. It's one of the things that opens the door of our heart. Now, I don't have it on the screen, so I want you to listen carefully. There's a couple verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that I want to read to you. The first one is in verse 7. It says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard that uh, verse before. For God loves a cheerful giver. Well, that God loves a cheerful giver, that's a relational component. It doesn't say God loves a gift that is cheerfully given. His love is not directed when we give or give more. His love is directed to the giver. He loves a cheerful giver. See, that's a relational uh, component there where God's love is coming from God to us as we cheerfully give. 
So there's a, a key relational component there. It goes the other way as well. A couple of verses down in verse 11, it says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in, listen to this, thanksgiving to God. So now this is a relational component going the other way, from us to God, that we give God thanksgiving as we give. So when we give, it's to make his name known. And it's to have relationship with him. That he can give us love and that we can give him thankfulness. So that relationship is a key component here as we understand the goal of giving. We should be known by our relationship with God for his glory and not for ours. It's that relationship that we want to be known for. So thirdly, the the goal of our giving, and this is what it really boils down to. This is the crux of it right here. The goal of our giving is to glorify God. Those first two, they tuck neatly right under there as a package deal because they're part of what it takes to glorify God. But that is the key. And that is what the Pharisees were struggling with. That's what they just didn't get. They had gotten off track. Instead of it be uh, staying about God and His glory, it had become about theirs and their glory. So if if that's true and and that's the... That's the goal of our glory. We want to dig down a little bit and see what it takes to keep that as our goal. Because the Pharisees, they slid off course. And it's so easy to do. We can slide off course so easily. But here in verse 1 of Matthew 6, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. It's when that becomes the focus that we start to shift. When we want to be seen by others. That was the Pharisees thing. They they wanted their good deeds to be seen. They wanted to take the credit. They wanted the credit to be theirs. Have have you ever known somebody who wanted to take the credit? Kind of annoying, isn't it? It kind of irks you. Have you ever had a boss that you had a great idea and and before you know it, it it goes up the chain and it's not your idea anymore? Your boss steals the credit. How frustrating. But we all all live in this. You know, sometimes uh, you might have somebody over for dinner and they're raving about your dinner and you just don't want to tell them that it's actually takeout, right? (laughs) We take the credit. We want to take the credit. Or you have somebody over and, oh man, your yard is amazing. You have a green thumb. You're amazing. And you kind of withhold the fact that your gardener does a ton of work every week to keep up that, that yard. We do this all the time in, in, in different ways. Now, guys, I know, the secret is out. I know that some of you, you, you look good, not because it's your own credit, because your wife dressed you. I know. You can't take the credit anymore. We know it's your wife, okay? But we do this all the time. We like to take the credit because we like to feel the glory. We like to feel the, the notoriety, the prestige, taking compliments when, things, when we don't have any right to them. If we're going to shift and make this shift to stay on track and not, not get 
off track like the Pharisees did so that it was about them. We've got to keep the focus on glorifying God. That has to be the key component, that we're not taking the credit that's due our king. So here's a few things that uh, can help us to do that this morning. Number one way to, uh, to keep the focus on glorifying God is to shift your motivation. Shift your motivation from your glory to his glory. Listen, giving is not about the gift. Giving is really about the motivation behind the gift, right? We know the, we know the term, uh, it's the thought that counts. It's true. It's what's coming behind the gift. It's the motivation for the gift that makes all the difference. Now, in that video, we saw some pretty clear motivations behind giving or not giving, right? There's some motivations that are not exactly stated, but you can really kind of see where they're coming from. One thing I saw was that one of the givers, it was all about what will people think? So if your motivation is what will people think, even if, either if I don't give, what will they think? Or if I do give, ooh, what will they think of me? What will people think is a, is a self-motivation. Or what about what can I get in return? How about that as a motivation for giving? Or I'll give out of guilt. Man, that should never be the reason that we, that we give. That we, we're coming because it's expected. Or that it's our Christian duty or our obligation. That's not a motivation for giving. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. It's not about our notoriety or fame as we've talked about. It's about his glory. You know, the original, the original sin that Adam and Eve committed, it was because they wanted to be known. They had relationship with God, but then they had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they substituted the knowledge of God for this fake knowledge of good and evil. And they took and they sacrificed their relationship with God because it was about them. They wanted to know. They wanted to make it about them. We, uh, we want to be known so often so that we'll look good, so that it can be about us and our glory and our fame. We like our greatness to be seen. You know, next week, uh, next Sunday night, I don't know if you guys are movie buffs, but the Oscars are coming on. And I love, I think it's so funny. We have so many award shows to show people's greatness. You know, we love award shows. We've got the Oscars. We've got the Emmys. We've got the Golden Globes. We've got the Grammys. We've got, what else do we have? We have the CMAs, the VMAs, the People's Choice. The ESPYs the, go on and on and on. We've got so many award shows. Who's getting these awards? They just award each other. It's because we love for our greatness to be seen. We love to receive awards. We love to see, receive trophies because we want it to be about our fame and our notoriety. And so we like to pat ourselves on the back. I remember when I was in high school, uh, we, our high school football team had the, the local news station came out. They would do the Friday night flights where they'd bring the helicopter and they'd land on your, on your field and they'd do a little special on you. And then at 1130 at night on Fridays, they would show all the high school games. And I remember in high school, my goal was to get on that program. 
I wanted to be on the field when, they were, when the cameras were rolling because I wanted to be on TV. And they came out, they landed their helicopter, and they did a whole halftime thing. And I remember I ran home, and I was, you know, I was on the field a lot. I got to play, and so I'm like, I'm going to be on. And the, the, the sum total of all of the airtime was like five seconds of the running back going into the end zone. Not me. <laughs> I was so frustrated. But I, I wanted to see myself on TV just because it would make me feel good. You know, we do that all the time. I was thinking down in Disneyland when they redid California Adventure and they did that uh, whole section between, they, they sold bricks that you could put your name on. Tons of people, thousands of people bought bricks for $100 a piece. Disney is, is you know, they're geniuses. Any, any way they can make a buck. We want to see our name on a brick even. And I, they had different colored bricks for different price points and different shape bricks. And they'll do anything they can. But we want to see our name because it makes us feel like we're famous. Like we're, we're, we have notoriety. But let me ask you this. How many times when you walk through Disneyland do you go through and you, you read the names of the bricks? And you're like, oh man, they're a giver. They're a giver. Look, oh, they bought, a, they bought a brick. Wow, they're awesome. No, we don't even care. But it makes us feel good if we, if we do that. The Pharisees had taken that to a whole different level. They were, they were their sole motivation in giving to the needy and taking care of people's needs. It wasn't for the, for the people. It was for them. It wasn't for God. It was for their, their glory, for the world to see. Now, you might, be, uh, you might be saying, wait a minute, I thought we were supposed to let our good works be seen. Didn't Jesus say something about that? Letting our good works be seen for people to, to, to see and, and marvel at? And that, that's actually true. In Matthew five sixteen, it says, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The key is that last phrase, right? And glorify your Father in heaven. We miss out on that part. See, here in Matthew 6, 1, Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. So is Jesus contradicting himself? Let your good works be seen. Don't let your good works be seen. No. He's not contradicting himself. He's saying your motivation is everything. Our motivation for giving is everything. If it becomes about us and our glory and our fame, we've missed the mark. But if we're representing him, then we ought to be able to give and people see the Father. And that's what he's saying. Let your, let your light shine. Do good works. The Pharisees They should have been giving to the needy. They should have been giving extravagantly, but not for their own gain. They should have been doing it to represent Christ. It's is it the the question is, is it a sincere demonstration or is it a trumped up show? So we can we can put on the show and make it about us really quickly. F.F. Bruce is a theologian and He summed it up this way. He said, show what you're tempted to hide and hide what you're tempted to show. I like that. That's tweetable right there. 
Show what you're tempted to hide and hide what you're tempted to show. That's hard because it, that becomes, it's about our ego. So easily to, it's so easy to make it about our ego and want to, you know, want to let people know about our giving. Let people know about the good things that we do. That's not what it's about. That's, we take credit when we do that. Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Someone else and not your own lips. See, sometimes recognition does come our way. And that's not bad. It's bad if that's our motivation. And that's what we're seeking after. Matthew 23, 5 says, Jesus was say, said to the Pharisees, Everything they do is done for people to see. It's about their ego. Again, it reveals a religious spirit, a spirit that says, I'm going to do the religious things, but I'm not going to do them for God. I'm going to do them because of the system or because of what I can get out of it for whatever other motivation that we might have. But if we want to keep the goal of our giving as glorifying God, then our motivation has to shift and be focused on Him. So what, are, what, what motivates your giving? What are your motivations in giving? Now, you, you might have a regular routine of, of tithing or even of going above and beyond your tithing to give towards right size and other opportunities, camps and whatnot. What's motivating that, though? What, what's the motivation under that? Is it selfishness? Is it pride? Is it guilt? Or is it God's glory to be known through your giving? Is it for His glory? I like this. I read this and I, I thought this is, this is it. He said, Whose well done would you rather hear? God's or people's? When I get to the end, I want to hear God say, Well done. You did it for my glory, not for yours. That's what I want to hear God say. I don't want to hear people's well done. I want to hear God say, you did it right. Your focus was right. You didn't get off track. You finished well. Well, second thing here, the first is we've got to shift our motivation. And secondly, if, if we want to keep the goal of our giving to glorify God, we need to shift our pursuit. Shift your pursuit. Let me, let me explain this here. We, we already talked about how our motivation can get off, but... But what happens exactly when that takes place? What exactly are we pursuing when that takes place? Jesus started with the warning, be careful not to do good just to be noticed. And now Jesus is giving us the consequences for that. If you're not careful, if you slide off, if you pursue something else, here's where you'll go. Here's what will happen. I think about... uh, uh, a reward. And Jesus talks about a reward here. He talks about the fact that we can go after an earthly reward or a heavenly reward. When I think about a reward, it's kind of fun to think about rewards, right? We like rewards. Rewards can be fun. I think about a, a treasure hunt where you're going and searching out for, for the reward. Uh, I think about uh, like wanted posters where there's a reward. I think about Minnie, the lost chihuahua of Simi Valley. 
Anybody seen those posters around town? I don't know who's behind those. I don't know if somebody here is behind those. I don't know. But that poor chihuahua has been lost for years. When I started seeing those posters pop up, it made me want to steal the neighbor's chihuahua and go in and say, is this one worth $5,000? What about this one? You know, I found this one. Is this one worth $5,000? Like we like the reward, right? In fact, I remember when those posters first came out, the reward was $2,000. And then it didn't, I guess they didn't find it and it bumped up to $5,000. We love rewards. Unfortunately, I think many is, is still out there somewhere, but we love rewards. I was thinking, uh, I was thinking about my first job was a paper route and it was not a very rewarding experience. When I went in to get the job, they told me, we just want to tell you up front, this is the worst route in the city, but it's the only one we have. I said, okay, I guess I'll take it. So the reason it was the worst route in the city wasn't because it had hills or dogs or stuff like that. It was because it was in a low income area of town. And back then, the paper boy actually had to go and collect for the paper. So the reason that they couldn't keep anybody doing that route is nobody ever paid for their paper. So the entire summer that I delivered papers, I made like a grand total of like $10. But I remembered that I used to love doing that paper route. It was certainly not for the income. But I remember that after I did the paper route in the afternoon when it was hot, my mom would take me to Burgerville and get me ice cream. I'd get a sundae or a milkshake. Like I could milk this deal because she'd feel bad for me that I'm not making any money and these people are terrible to me. And so I could get ice cream out of it. That was a reward worth doing the paper route for. You know, we do, we do this in our lives in big grand ways where we seek a reward that's other than what God really has for us. Because we try to do it on our own, and we get off, and then we start to pursue the wrong reward. God has a reward for us. God's reward is amazing. Look here in Matthew 6.1 again. Jesus talks about reward three different times. I, I've highlighted it for you so you can, you can see that. But I'm going to read it again and see how reward fits into this. Okay, starting in verse 1 again. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. We talked about that. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Oh, that sounds scary. Verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I love that weird little phrase in there, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, or vice versa, whatever it is. Jesus is saying, he's saying, don't be mixed in your pursuit. We, it's so easy for us to get off in the reward that we're going for that we need to not get mixed. We need to just give and pursue the right thing and without letting our flesh enter into it. So don't give mixed. 
don't have mixed motivations in it. And so Jesus basically, he gives three different scenarios here of reward. Number one is that there's no reward in heaven, period. Because they've already given. They've already given for their own glory and received their reward. Now, the thing here is that you don't know if there's even going to be an earthly reward. Sometimes we pursue the wrong reward and it's not that rewarding. (laughs) We try to get the applause and the fame and there's no applause or fame anyway. And we've already sacrificed our reward in heaven also because we've done it for our own glory. Number two, he says, you receive an earthly reward. So if you go to the lengths that the Pharisees did to blow trumpets and make sure that everybody knows about your giving, well, you probably will get some applause and some fame. But again, you've sacrificed your reward in heaven because you've made it about yourself. Well, third, he he talks about the Father will reward you. There's a reward in heaven. Now, the tricky thing here is that you probably won't get the applause and fame on earth. But if you do it for the right reasons, you'll have a reward in heaven and God will reward you. Now, what, what is that kind of reward? What, what does this reward look like? Is it even worth it? Is it even worth pursuing that? Look here, listen in, in Ephesians 1, 3. This is awesome. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Listen, every spiritual blessing from God that's possible is yours in Christ. He doesn't withhold anything from us. He doesn't make us try to jump through any hoops when we're in Christ and we're pursuing that reward. He doesn't hold back. He lavishly gives to us every spiritual blessing. That's awesome. You might say, wait a second. So if this is about a reward, it's a reward based. That sounds like bribery. That sounds like do your paper route and you'll get ice cream. Like, so live a good life and, I'll, and, and you'll get a reward in heaven. Is that, that sounds like salvation by works. Is that what we're talking about here? And it, it's not what we're talking about because the reward is relationship with God. The reward isn't salvation, it's relationship. See, salvation flows out of God's grace as we're in relationship with him. But our reward is the relationship itself. Every spiritual blessing in heaven comes through us in Christ. As we are in Christ, as we are in relationship with him, we get to experience everything that he has for us. John uh, 5.44 says, How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? We don't want to seek the glory that comes from people. We want to seek the glory from God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not by works, it's through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it's not something we can do. It is the gift of God, something He's done for us. Not by works, so that no one can boast. 
So it's, it, this reward is not about earning our salvation. It's not about the fact that our reward is heaven. Our reward is in heaven. It's not of heaven. Our reward is waiting for us in heaven when we ultimately get to meet our maker, our creator, our God, and worship him for eternity. That is every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus available to us. That's a reward worth pursuing. But it's easy for us to slide off from that. It's easy for us to trade that reward for the temporary, the things that we can see, the stuff that's right in front of us, the glory and fame that people would want to give us. So let me ask you, what are you pursuing? Where's your pursuit this morning? What are you running after? What kind of reward does your life go after? Keep it simple. Fall in love with Jesus again. It's about that relationship. It's about that reward. So, number one, we we need to shift our motivation. Number two, we need to shift our pursuit to pursue His reward instead of an earthly reward. And number three... We, if we're going to keep the goal of giving on glorifying God, then we need to shift our identity. I love this. This is so freeing when we get to have our identity in Christ. We struggle with our identity. Identity is a tough thing. You know the, the midlife crisis. They're having an identity crisis. We know those phrases. You go out and buy a Corvette because you're trying to figure out who you are again. I think of like a teenager who, who shows up to school and on, on Monday they dress like a jock. On Tuesday they're wearing preppy clothes, preppy fashion. On Wednesday they're in all black. On Thursday they dress like a hipster. And on Friday they raid your closet because so they're, they're looking for 80s clothes. They're trying to find out who they are. It's, it's an identity crisis. Sometimes we go through this and we can live our entire lives in an identity crisis, not really knowing who we are. Some people, there's some some common ways that this gets played out and, and lived out. And oftentimes for years and years and years, our whole lives, there's some people who they find their identity in doing, in what they can do what they can perform. It's performance-based. Our parents expect the best of us, and so, you know, we've got to earn their love by performing, by doing. And then we grow up and we think, to be accepted by people, we've got to be able to do. And so I'll just do more. And, and to be accepted by God and to, to have salvation, I must have to do for God too then. And so we do and do and do. Now, those people can be great to be around because they're very helpful, right? <laughs> they're, they're self-sacrificing. They'll give of themselves. They're always available because they're going to do. They're going to do, do, do. But if, you're, if, if your identity is found in that, it's not found in Christ. It's not who you are in Christ. It's just what you can do for people. It's not that far off from where the Pharisees were. Jesus uh, had Mary and Martha 
um, and, and Mary was at his feet spending time with him and worshiping him. And, and Martha was busy doing activity and preparing things. And Jesus gently rebuked Martha and said, it's not about the activity. You need to be with me. It's not about what you can do. It's about your relationship with God. That's, that's a challenge. When you're used to being a doer, it's hard to break out of that and find a different identity. But God wants us to be known not what we can do for Him, but what, for he, what he has already done for us. That's our identity. Not what we can do for him, but what he's already done for us. We struggle with that. Another one that, that people have a hard time with is people can find their identity in other people. You ever know anybody like that? A people pleaser, right? It's, so, it's, it's frustrating sometimes on one hand, and then we love it on the other hand because they always agree with us. But they agree with us when they're with us, and then when they're with somebody else, they agree with them because they don't have any opinion of their own. They just want to please people. They're like a wet noodle. You want to say, grow a backbone. Have your own opinion for once. Because they're so afraid to let people down because it's how they find their identity. It's where their self-worth is. It's in what other people think about them. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not about what other people think about you. It's about your relationship with me and what I think about you. I'm crazy about you. I just want relationship with you if we can make that our identity. Listen to this. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are... The children of God. The spirit, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're God's children, we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Our identity in Christ is that we, it says here, are his children. We're his sons and his daughters. He has adopted us into his family. That's a beautiful picture of identity. That for those of us who were strayed away and on our own, and trying to do our own thing, and had our identity somewhere else, he he brought us in. He adopted us into his family. And he said, I'm going to give you a new identity, a new last name. You're going to be one of my heirs. All of the riches, all of my kingdom, all of my blessing, every spiritual blessing in heaven in Christ Jesus is going to be yours, because your identity is, is in me. Think for a second if if Bill Gates asked you to represent his wealth and give it away. You personally had to give away all his money. Wouldn't that be fun? I think that would be the best thing ever. That would be so fun not to keep it, but just to give all of that away. For a couple things that would happen. Number 1, if the stipulation was you can give it all away, 
but it has to only be to people you know. It has to only be to your friends. A couple things would happen. Number one, you would have a blast. Number two, you would make a lot of friends, right? (laughs) You'd have a lot more friends, a lot more relationships. Jesus is saying, look, I have all of the wealth in the world. It's not physical wealth, it's spiritual wealth. Every spiritual blessing. But it can only be yours in relationship. I want to know you. I want to know you. That's where your identity needs to be. I love uh, in I love in the Bible how God calls us his own and he gives us a brand new identity. Over and over in the New Testament, he makes these it makes this statement where it says you are, and then it's followed by a statement where where God declares who we are in Christ. I want to read some of those to you. I won't read the references, it's just a mashup of all of the things that God says about who you are in him. Some of you need to hear this. This is your identity in Christ. Listen to this. He says, you are my followers. You are my friends. You You are children of God. You are children of light. You are members of God's family. You are holy and blameless, standing before God without a single fault. You are God's people. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the branches that bear fruit. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are living stones in his temple. You are holy priests. You are a holy nation to show the goodness of God. You're a chosen people. You are God's workers, Christ's ambassadors, true ministers of the God united with Christ. You are a part of his body by the living spirit of God. You are God's masterpiece. You are the faithful ones meant for better things. You're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. You are looking forward to a home that is yet to come, a new heaven and a new earth. You are heirs to God's glory. You are set free from slavery and sin. You are truly free. Amen? Amen. That is is your identity in Christ. That is who God says that you are. You don't have to do to get that. You don't have to impress to get that. You have to be in Christ. That's the shift to make your identity in Christ that we represent him. Well, this this affects the way we give because we get to represent Christ in our giving. We serve an incredibly generous God. In fact, in verse 2 and 3, where Jesus talks about giving, he says, when you give. It's not if you give. He talks about when you give. It's assumed that you'll be giving because it's just part of the character of God. It's who he is, and so it's who we should be. We should be generous, cheerful givers because that's who God is. It would be so generous and so cheerful and so awesome to give away Bill Gates's Bill Gates' fortune. But how much more so would it be to give away God's glory into people's lives? That they, when they see your life and they see your identity, they see Jesus Christ in you. That's something that has an eternal reward that God says, I want you to give this away. This is yours to give away. In Christ Jesus. When we go to a party... Nobody likes to show up empty-handed, right? 
We want to say, like, can I bring a side? Is there something I can bring? Because there's a relational connection that takes place when we show up and we have something to offer. There's, there's relationship that's formed. There's partnership that's formed. And Jesus said, because we have a relationship, because you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my heir, you now get to represent me. I love that verse in 2 Corinthians. It says, we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent him to this world. And he has commissioned us in his identity to represent him to a world that needs him so dearly. The goal of our giving is to bring glory to God. The goal of our living is to bring glory to God. But to do it, we have to make some shifts. We have to shift ourselves from the motivation being about us to the motivation being about God's glory. We have to make that shift from pursuing what would look good here to pursuing an eternal reward in heaven with God that can be unmatched by anything else. And we have to shift our identity from the way the world would identify us or our hurt would identify us or our sin would identify us. We need to shift to way, the way God sees us. Say, I'm going to be identified in a new way from what God declares who I am. I want to pray for you uh, this morning as we close because I think that there's, I think there's, there's a continuum, continuum here where we all fall somewhere in there. And today, God wants to bring you back to center line to bring Him glory. It affects the way we give, but it goes so far beyond our finances. It's the way we invest our lives. It's the way that we live our lives. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much that you have given us an opportunity for partnership. You have given us relationship where we get to represent you. Lord, I pray that as we think about giving and we approach giving, Lord, that it wouldn't be about putting on the front. It wouldn't be about what we can get out of it. Lord, our motivation would be our identity is in you. And so we're going to represent your generosity. A cheerful, wonderful, abundant giver. We're going to invest our lives into people. We're going to give away your glory and not make it about us. For some people here this morning, maybe you've never made that shift of identity at all. For you, maybe the first step this morning would be to say, I want to identify myself with Jesus for the first time. I want to decide to align my life with him. I want to invite you to fall in love with Jesus and surrender your life to him. For others, maybe you need to give out of a different motivation. Or maybe you've lived your life in a way that hasn't glorified God and you need to come back to making him and his glory the focus. Lord God, wherever we find ourselves today, Lord, I pray that by your spirit you would challenge us out of ourselves out of our humanity and our flesh and our sin to pursue you so that we can experience every spiritual blessing in heaven.
Thank you, Lord God, that we are heirs to your kingdom and we get to experience that. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.